you know, we want social change at a huge level, but why we want it is because we want to move away from overconsumption. Now that can be in, in whatever form you, you can think of. So maybe it's stopping buying clothes from Primark and, and buying more secondhand or vintage. Maybe it's just the amount that you travel or, or literally consume carbon. Um, you know, we want to move people to a more carbon zero or carbon negative economy. And we're doing that through this kind of positive storytelling, but also making it stylish and desirable. You know, people aren't going to, want, people aren't going to stop shopping. They're not going to stop traveling or, you know, I know we've stopped traveling so much at the moment, but people still have that thirst. So we we see it as better to kind of divert people into, you know, apps and businesses and brands and products that actually give back to the to the planet or help the planet rather than mindlessly consume stuff that doesn't help us. You're listening to the Spaceship Earth podcast with me, Dan Burgess. Thanks for tuning in. This is Dan. Uh, welcome to the Spaceship Earth podcast. This is episode 38. Uh, in this episode, I'm in conversation with Georgina Wilson-Powell, who is founder and editor-in-chief of Pebble magazine. Now, Pebble, you will find at pebblemag.com. They're uh, an online magazine, uh, a increasingly growing community around the world of folks that are super engaged and interested in how we live uh, more sustainably on this planet but how we live in a much better more interesting creative and cooler way too now you can't argue with that less impact more fun that's kind of what they're about and uh, they are exploring all kinds of extraordinary issues and finding ways of uh, connecting people to new ideas new businesses uh, new networks that are sort of leaning into the problems we face um, and how we live uh, more consciously and how we can do that with with fun and uh, lighter footprints. So all brilliant. Uh, we'll get to that very shortly. Now, this conversation was recorded in early July. Um, I think this was on the verge, potentially the eve of, of the loosening of the lockdown. Um, it's hard to remember really what's been going on. Um, and it's taken me a little while to get this out as, you know, the demands of life and living and children and uh, work and all these other lovely things have... Um, and then it's all been a bit full and I've actually needed to take a little bit of time out as well because I was feeling a bit frazzled about you, but I was feeling slightly broken by um, the end of July um, after the last few months. Um, but yes, uh, more to come on the evolution of the podcast. There's some changes afoot. Um, Going to play with the format a bit and uh, yeah, and a few changes coming uh, as we get into the autumn. But I'm going to... Get on with this show. I'm going to cut straight to it now. Um, this is episode 38 of the Spaceship Earth podcast with Georgina Wilson-Powell from Pebble Magazine. Enjoy. We live on a life-giving rock called Earth, hurtling through space. How bonkers is that? Right then, Georgina, welcome to the Spaceship Earth podcast. Thanks for having me on board. It's, it's a pleasure. Um, <laughs> it's... Um, what is it? It's Friday. It is. Uh, it, we're early July, aren't we? I have to sort of say this because I we took a few <laughs> weeks to, to get them out and just uh, give give everyone a bit of context. Um, so thanks to me. we've been trying we've been trying to do this for a while, haven't we? And it's uh, you know well, a lockdown I think happened. <laughs> pandemic yeah, happened. pandemics and, yeah. and, and 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 all kinds of stuff. But um, 
Yeah. So, well, before we before we get going and 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 dive in a bit, it'd be great to just know, yeah, a little bit about where you're at right now. Can you give us a bit of a bit of context where you are, and maybe just as I say, we're sort of we kind of well, we're we're on the we're on the sort of the eve of what they're calling it Super Saturday, isn't it? Was like, what's it called? Oh, I don't remember what it's Super called. Saturday. But, like, doesn't feel yeah. Um, yeah. Well, physically, I'm in Margate. Um, physically, emotionally, where am I? I don't know. Um, physically, I'm in Margate. Um, well, I moved to Margate about 18 months ago out of London, um, like a lot of other people. And actually, it's been mm. a saving grace. Um, I live right next to the sea, which is fantastic. So even though we're in a tiny flat with a tiny balcony, we can actually go out and be outside and be in nature. And yeah. even though I've I've kind of not done it so much in the last few weeks because work's picked up again but I've all through the the early days of the lockdown at least I was walking every day my allotted hour was spent on the beach and it was just an absolute godsend um so yeah so that's been I feel very connected to where I am right now I've never been in a town for so long without having left it Um, yeah (laughs) kind of forgotten what the outside outside of Margate looks like it's funny isn't it um I came to Ramgate on Sunday which is two towns along and that feels like the biggest adventure Wow. And what's it been? How's how's Margate been? Like, what's been the vibe during lockdown? Do you know what? Until recently, the, the vibe's been amazing. The businesses that have been open or have pivoted to, like, take out or to, like, takeaways, it's been mm. such a community. And I've been involved in lots of WhatsApp groups for, like, my local road and the block of flats that I live in. We've all been helping each other out. And it's been really – that side's been really wonderful. Um, recently, it started to change with, like, massive influx of people wanting to be on the beach and enjoy the hot yeah. weather, which you can't blame them if they're coming from a place where they've got no outside space and they need to escape. But yeah. it is changing the the feel and the makeup and the, the litter's just gone insane. So I've been doing some litter picks, and um, I think everyone's quite wary about what's going to happen this weekend. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's def- definitely a um, bit of edge, isn't there, in the air? And um, yeah, who knows? Hopefully, it will. Um, it won't. It will. It will. It will, it will pass smoothly. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be hiding at home. I think this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, so, listen, you're. We, you know, we want to get into the Pebble story. We also want to get into that because you've just, you've just actually just sort of done a bit of a relaunch, right? Um, relaunch, fact, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So sorry. Yeah, exactly. A, a big old relaunch, <laughs> and uh, and we want to talk about that. And I think, um, but what I would love, and I know you know, you've you've told the pebble story, sort of in various places. But just for the list, my listeners, just to give a little bit of context on the on the journey in, and then you know, just I guess that you know, what is you know, just maybe just framing up for people like the the pebble mm. mission, and 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 then we can ex- start to explore. Um, get under the hood of it all. but um yeah it'd be really <laughs> interesting to see how you came because I know because you know your journey in, is pretty fascinating as well so oh well, thank you um I think I'm just an everyday person to be honest um mm. I mean my I've never I didn't grow up in a particularly sustainable household or you know my parents weren't like permaculture farmers or anything anything like that um you know I always, want, I always wanted to have parents who were permaculture farmers <laughs> yeah, I wanted you, know I mean? life, you know um which I would probably would have hated as a teenager anyway yeah. um but yeah I I've been a magazine editor for like 16 17 years and I've worked with Lonely Planet and BBC Travel and BBC Good Food and I spent a lot of that my career out in the Middle East I was in Dubai for yeah. six years and traveling the world and had a very glamorous uh, lifestyle. Um, you know, I was taking like 20 or 30 flights a year, which I now shudder um, at. But 
bit by bit, it, it really got to me. And I really had this sense of like what we now know as flight shame and carbon guilt and mm. all these kind of phrases that we, we now sort of bandy about. But this was sort of 2013, 14. And when I moved back to London, I really couldn't find anything that, that spoke to me as a consumer and as a as a reader that, you know, brought together all these ideas of sort of reducing plastic and changing the way we live and embracing ideas like permaculture and and but also the sort of the innovative side of things so I'm a big wired magazine reader and I, I love all the, yeah. all the inventions but that really only spoke to a kind of like frat boy tech audience and I just thought there's a way to combine all these things that isn't being done and I got more and more frustrated as a, as a writer and as a journalist trying to pitch sustainable ideas into mainstream you know newspapers and magazines and just constantly yeah. being rebuffed and being told no one's interested it doesn't sell yeah. Who cares? Did you get what's what's the business case? That was the classic I used to do <laughs> a lot. Like, what's the business case of, of sustainability? Well, someone goes, yeah, we we did our sustainable issue, um, our one issue a year last week. So you know, we won't look at it till, till September. And you're all the time you're kind of going, but but we need to talk about this now and every day, yeah. and we need to make changes. And I totally believe that media um, and storytelling can be a force for good. I totally believe that positive stories are, are how we influence people, how we force change, how we have social shifts. So I wanted to play a part in that and, and use my skills for good, if you like. Um, so I launched Pebble in 20, at the end of 2016 and it's become a platform. We call it a, a stylish guide for sustainable living, but really it's more than that. It's become a community. It's become a family. We have a hugely engaged Facebook group Um we have our newsletter, which people sort of find us through. We have our social channels. We started doing events last year so we can meet yeah. our readers and bring people together in real life. And it's it's really become a hub for anyone trying to make, we call the changes of everyday activism. So whether you just want to change your loo roll to something that doesn't have plastic or whether you want to embark on a whole new career as an ethical entrepreneur, you know, we're yeah. that kind of that, that hub, that, that place where we'll hold your hand and, and help you through. Yeah, it's because you, you you're certainly interested in my watching watching your pebble mission and seeing seeing how it's unfolding and you know you're there's always so much energy and you are experimenting a lot and I remember the, was it the pebble guys I remember coming across yeah the guys we did from, um, we did some guys. amazing city guides a couple of years that's ago, right and yeah. the framework yeah. works brilliantly and the idea was to bring together all the, the good stuff that's happening in in secondary cities so keep people out of capital um, capital city yeah. sort of combat over tourism but really connect them with like everything from the best bike paths through to like co-working spaces or you know vegan bakeries and we just yeah. we couldn't. I'm very good at launching projects. I'm not so good at staffing them. Um, <laughs> oh, it's, big, it's big stuff. I remember. I mean, the reason I remember, I was I was, I was actually doing some work with um, with Google at Creative Labs at the time on all, you know on kind of sustainable living and stuff. And I actually, I, I, your guides had just landed, and I brought them into a a, a session as a, oh, an example. Of, but I because I because I can totally feel it as what you know what you're saying. This whole idea of you know, you can see where, where where these things, you know, the need for them and you can understand how to shape them and bring them into the world. But then actually, you, you know, you've got to try and develop them. And it's just, yeah, it's it's, That's it's, it, it's, we... a, hard, it's a hard piece to do. Isn't it? <laughs> I'm really good at the ideas. and I'm really good at seeing what the trends are coming in and kind of, yeah. okay, well, if we do this and we put this together in this way, we can solve that problem or we can connect people in a way that is, is meaningful. Um, but like every small business, you've still got to like, you know, you've got to make profit, you've got to make revenue, um, you've, you've got to have the right people in the business to kind of help you drive that vision. And I think that's, that's 
you know, they're, they're challenges that every small business faces. Yeah. So what, what, you know, when, what's at the heart, I guess, I know we'll talk about the, the bit, you know, the relaunch in, in, in a little bit, but just, um, what, what do you, what have you, what were you finding out? I guess that feels like at the key of, of, of the Pebble mission, what, you know, you've got these different things, obviously you've been innovating so, and trying those things, but tell me, tell us about what, what's at the real heart of it. So this is something we actually recently realized and, and sort of distilled when I was trying to like come up with what, what it is we're really doing, because we do have a mission and we're kind of that, you know, we want social change at a huge level, but why we want it is because we want to move away from overconsumption. Now that can yeah. be in, in whatever form you, you can think of. So maybe it's stopping buying clothes from Primark and, and buying more secondhand or vintage. Maybe it's just the amount that you travel or, or literally consume carbon. Um, you know, we want to move people to a more carbon zero or carbon negative economy. And we're doing that through this kind of positive storytelling, but also making it stylish and desirable. You know, people aren't yeah. going to want, people aren't going to stop shopping. They're not going to stop traveling or, you know, I know we've stopped traveling so much at the moment, but people yeah. still have that thirst. So we we see it as better to kind of divert people into, you know, apps and businesses and brands and products that actually give back to the to the planet or help the planet rather than yeah. mindlessly consume stuff that doesn't help us. Yeah, it's 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 so fascinating, isn't it? This whole um, you know, because obviously you're using the phrase phrase overconsumption and seeing how this kind of um, you know this kind of journey of sort of consumerism to sort of you know sustainable consumption green consumption now this idea of overconsumption and it because there is, it does feel like there is a there is a sort of a you know a bit of an elephant in the room with a lot of our the way we live right which is like you you know at least how i see it is Definitely. to be able to sort of you know you know there's this always this sense that you know we'll just sort of greenify you know we'll just green everything <laughs> do you know what i mean and we'll just keep doing what we're doing but it'll all be green and lovely and there's a but the consumption piece is such, <laughs> such, so tricky, right? Because it is, you know, clearly as we understand more and more about, you know, the interconnections between consumption and climate and ecological collapse and all these and all these gnarly interconnected things that are coming off this sort of core idea of being consumers. And then, Definitely. as you say, you're and then so how do we, how do we, yeah? What's what's your sense on where this is heading? And this and it's really interesting talking about overconsumption. Because I think you know you. For me, that was a shift. I remember when I spoke to you on on this project we were looking at, wasn't it during the during the lockdown? And you were, you were talking about overconsumption as something you were really sensing your community was um, well, really engaging with. Yeah, that's that's something in the last few months. I guess I've realised that's actually everything that we're talking about. So one of our weaknesses by being such a broad church by covering so many different things from ethical fashion to travel to zero waste to whatever it's going to be is it gets quite difficult to kind of go. This is what we're this is what the mission is, this is what it's about. And actually, when you take a step back and go, oh, it is all about overconsumption because of, of, you know, we are all consumers, you know, everything that we do consume stuff, you can't, you can't not consume anything. And that really feeds into my sort of experience and background as working in, you know, consumer magazines, I I see the impact they have, I see the negative impact they can have. And Mm. it's this idea of being, being quite realistic, you know, we're not all going to wake up and all become vegan overnight or we're not all going to never travel again um you know and, yeah. and it's about not beating people over the head with with a stick and sort of going you know sustainable is is better but it, there's no joy in it you know we've got to yeah. give people the joy the inspiration to make these changes and to have them stick you know it's it's we often sort of say it's a marathon not a sprint it's like saying to people you know going on a crash diet and giving everything up um 
and yeah. you can do that in the in, in the way of overconsumption and not buy anything and not do anything, but it's never going to last. You know, yeah. we want that sort of healthy lifestyle change. So, you know, supporting supporting whether it's supporting social enterprises or whether it's just buying less or whether it's ma- mending and making. Um, it's about inspiring people to feel the agency in themselves and empowering them to make that change rather than telling them they're wrong or it's all doom and gloom. Um, yeah. Obviously, there's a, there's a lot of doom and gloom out there, but I think this... Yeah. <laughs> there's plenty if you want to find, if, you, you know, yeah, if you're struggling you to find some, we, we can we can signpost you to lots. Yeah, you really have to go far. But for me, there's this huge misnomer about the individual can't make a difference. And I just think that... That is so um, dispiriting. You know, we have to have hope. We have to have agency. We have to have power. And we have a lot of power as consumers. And we kind of forget that. So it's about putting that that feeling of I can do this. I can make a change back into people's hands. And, and you know, we have readers from 18 to 65. We have readers all over the world. But they all connect with that kind of accessible message of like, oh, I can do something. I can make a difference. Um, and that's what what we sort of you know that positive message has to has to run through everything. Yeah, and so I'm guessing. Um, I mean, you've you've been working on on the relaunch, which has which has just happened, and you must have been obviously during the I'm guessing during the lockdown, you've been you know I guess reflecting a lot on you know what what you're hearing and seeing and and speaking to your community, etc. But one of the things one of the things that sort of feels uh, like I've noticed and heard a lot during this lockdown is that m- many people who, again, who've caveat, who've been able to stay at home, but have sort of noticed that by slowing down, they've been able to live, you know, a more sustainable lifestyle, right? They've sort of, they've had a, they've had a taste of actually what it, what it can be, um, you know, whether it's been, preparing food you know rather rather than running (laughs) around just you know because they've had the time to do it or whether it's been fixing stuff or creating things versus consuming things or whether it's dabbling with a little bit of food growing or do you know what I mean and all these things and which is brilliant but then you go isn't it a bit so what's that all about that the only way we can experience a sustainable lifestyle is if we slow down and actually the world that we're in doesn't unless there's a pandemic doesn't really want us to slow down or is designed to, to for everything to be speeding up so i was a bit curious about that because that feels like sort of like mm, that's interesting Do you know I mean? yeah <laughs> like, I think this is a really good this is a really good point and it's something i think that's really frustrating for a lot of people because we can see what's right we can see yeah. what feels better um you know and just having that time to try making bread for the first time or like i mended my partner's jacket which is i've never right. done i've never done any mending before um and i really got a kick out of it you know and that's something yeah. i wouldn't have been able to do if i was commuting backwards or forwards into london or rushing around for meetings or you know i think having the headspace to to think about these things because for the last let's say 50 60 years whatever we've just been driven by convenience and price they have been our two metrics that we value over everything. How convenient mm. is it? How quick is it? How much more can I get in my day? And also how cheap it is. And yeah. really, I think the lockdown has given people a sort of maybe a new access or, or a temporary mm. access maybe um, to kind of go, oh, well, convenience is out the window because I'm not going anywhere. Um, yeah. And actually what's worth, you know, price isn't, we, we, we muddle up price and cheap. And actually the best yes. price could be, 
well, it's a bit more expensive, but I'm supporting that shop down the road because I want that shop to be there in a year's time. Or I'm supporting my local bar by buying wine that's more expensive than it is an Aldi because I like my bar, you know, and I know people there. And that's, that's a completely different value set to us rushing around just kind of grabbing stuff in Tesco Metro because it's on the way to work and, and really not thinking about how that food got there or what you're going to do with the plastic or where your money's going. Um, so I think we do need to slow down. I think we have all been sold this kind of like more, more, more. You can have everything. You can do everything quicker, quicker, quicker. Now we've got apps for everything, just more. It it goes again back into that overconsumption, you know, because to me, have, doing less and slowing down is is a really key part of it, of, of moving yeah. away from that that overconsumptive mindset. And I and just listening to you talk, it reminds me again of this idea of yeah, sort of being more um, conscious of the relationships that we have through our behaviours. So, like you say, you know, supporting a you know your local bar versus a versus a sort of you know a corporately owned chain of supermarkets. So you're sort of you know you're actually investing in that relationship or understanding the relationship around who made this thing you know, Definitely. beyond supply chain, which is, again, it's a sort of shift of, it is a values thing, and it's a, but it's a shift of different sort of way of starting to think about about our, like you said, the whole idea of Well, I think a lot of time we've, we've forgotten we even had these relationships, you know. Yeah. We, we sort of talk about on site, like beyond the, the bin. We never thought beyond the bin. You know, you went into a shop, you bought the product, you put the product in the bin when you finished. There's this kind of blinker either end you know you didn't think about where it came from or how it was made or or what it was made of and you never thought about what you put in the bin where it went or how it was disposed or the fact it's probably still still with us um and I think people are starting to question that a lot more and especially in the lockdown I think as well people just being amongst all their stuff all the time at home so seeing what piles up like we I did um an everyday plastic survey a friend of mine runs this really amazing four-week course where you you know, you, you log and monitor all of the single-use plastic you use in a week. And even I was shocked how much we use, and I think we're pretty good at it. Um, and just how that, what's that, that sounds fascinating. What's that? How does that work? You just So you, like you, a... you pick a week, um, and you're yeah. in groups of, I think the first cohort was 70 of us, and we did it all on Zoom. And yeah. for the first week, you literally don't throw any single-use plastic away. So everything goes into a, a bin, even like the tiniest little speck. Um, just collect it all. Collect it all, and then the second week you work out like what it is. If it's soft plastic, hard plastic. If it's food, if it's toiletries, and then you yeah. kind of work you work out a sort of plan of like how you're going to reduce all these plastics. And it comes back with a lot of statistics about how little plastic is recycled, even if it says it's recyclable, and and all these other things. And I think it's really it was a really good experience in the lockdown because you came face to face with the stuff that you normally throw away, and you had to yeah. spit it all out, and you're like. God, I've eaten a lot of chocolate bars in the last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas we've all had this kind of like happy ignorance of, you know, yeah. we don't think about the consequences of all the stuff that we consume, like whether that's physically consuming food or or all the stuff that we just get through on a daily basis. So I think it's it's a it was a really sounds... effective thing to do actually. Yeah, I often have I've often wondered like, is there, could you have some sort of you know emoticon? thing that you could like tap when you look in the because every time I open my bin I almost want to weep it's like <laughs> it's like even even like you know even though, even though that we you know we try in, in in my household to you know always but it's just it's just I just I can't help it I literally feel like I feel deeply sad every time I open the bin because yeah. I look in it and I'm like you know even though, even though we're you know we're recycling whatever I just go 
what's going on? And it's like, because I, I can't help, I can't help but look at those things and go, I know that those are potentially going to be around Oh, longer than you years. are. Yeah. You know I mean? It's, it's, I and, think it's this, and we are now all carrying, I think, unfortunately, it goes, it almost goes into so far that we all now carry around such guilt about all of our purchases. Um, yeah. And it can feel so overwhelming that we end yeah. up with nothing. You know, I was yeah. really not looking forward to the, the survey, but I'm really, really glad I did it because it was like, oh, actually, we we kind of score. We don't have any plastic in our to- in our bathroom and our toiletries. We've got rid of all that. That's brilliant. Where we're falling down is our like fruit and veg. So okay, we yeah. look at that. You know, um, I think it's a really weird balance between like not overwhelming yourself at the at the scale of the problem and actually yeah. having a bit of knowledge and and, and sort of um, data for what you do yourself. Yeah, 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 totally. And and do you come across do you come across sort of um, in this process like uh, people like in a family or in a household who sort of feel like they're they're sort of all over it but the other folks they live with aren't and how does yeah I think (laughs) I think that's it I mean there's only two people in my household so like you know it I can run a quite tight ship um but I think it's really difficult especially if you're like perhaps friends sharing or you've got young kids it's yeah it can feel like a, a hugely uphill battle and I think you've got to you know it's you need quite a lot of um willpower just to keep going every day but I think you know something we talk about on on the site is you know it is a new day each day you you're not ever going to make all of the right decisions 100% of the time that just isn't possible for anybody um you know so you do what you can and you and you sort of you know mitigate where you can maybe that's planting trees or carbon offsetting or you know what what else could you do in another way and I think it's going to be different for everybody so you know if you haven't driven your car for three months you know you'll probably net positive you've probably, got a, you've probably got a flat battery when you, uh, <laughs> when you try to start it it's what we did the other day oh no <laughs> exactly so ah, oh, i should have turned the car over um so yeah so the overconsumption so what 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 else is you know before we dive into to the new the new mission or the new the new overhaul and, and where it's all heading but what and maybe that's maybe that's part of this as anyway but what what else have you sensed um are you sensing shifts during this during this lockdown like people are kind of what what else is sort of coming up for people as you can see you know we talked a lot about the overconsumption piece are there other things that people are kind of i think think something that i'm i'm seeing a lot more is people aren't are really taking notice of what brands are supporting the causes they care about and are being responsible um, okay, tell me about for, for example, like sort of in the fashion world, you know, the number of large scale fashion, sort of fast fashion guys who have completely left their manufacturers in like Pakistan and Bangladesh high and dry by cancelling orders that have already been delivered and, you know, leaving stock in in uh, warehouses that's that's just going to stay there forever and not sort of paying bills. And I think there's a lot of, you know, people are watching what their brands are doing and what they're talking about and the causes they're supporting or how silent they're being over over causes um and i think people are taking note um you know so i think there's this idea that we expect more and more we expect our corporations we expect the brands we love to share those values that that people are starting to embrace more you know being this conscious consumer thinking about the impact whether that's on the workforce whether that's on the environment um and i'm kind of expecting this all to be a bit more responsible um i think there's quite a lot of you know, fear of how we've got gotten ourselves here, and and we all want to be working towards a better world. 
Yeah, who's has anyone? I mean, I guess two ways. Who's been anyone that you think that's been doing poorly at this, or anyone that's been doing really well at this? I mean, will give us give us a sense of like. Um, I think I think unfortunately most of the ones that I've seen people get really cross about are are the big fashion brands. Yeah. Um, you know, and this idea that do we need twenty four drops in forty eight weeks with a t shirt in eighty five different colors. You know, I think there's this idea of like, do we need to shop at the same rate that we that we have been? You know, I think there's a lot of people who haven't missed all the big shops being open um, yeah. and using that time instead to, to spend with family or to bake or mend or cook or whatever. Um, so I, I think it does feel quite unbalanced at the moment. You know, when you can go and buy something in Primark, but you can't send your kid to school or... Yes, I feel like our priorities have got muddled up, and I think a lot, lot of people have actually taken this time to take a step back and go, "Hang on a minute, like what we value is is nature, and what we, we want to spend more time outside, and we want to teach our kids better." And sorry, it wasn't very good grammar. We want to teach our kids properly. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we don't want cheap clothes that are going to last for three weeks. Yeah, it's like um. And yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's sort of like on this bigger sort of macro level government stuff is like, you know, you know, bailing out airlines versus our sort of art and music sectors. Do you know oh, what I mean? And, yeah. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> you, you know, yeah. But because it, it, it's all, you know, I, I guess it's one of the things I've been really puzzled with. And again, maybe I'm just stupidly naive, but um, but I, I sort of find it so weird that we live, we're living in these times where you know, like you say, so many people are witnessing and experiencing and noticing. And also, you know, everybody has a point of view, right, about how they would, what things they'd like to see um, change or, or whatever. And yet we still have this kind of, we live in this sort of system, this political system where all the decisions get made. No one, no one's involved in them. Right. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's like, it's just like a bunch of folks that we have no really idea who any of them are. And uh, you, you're... And they decide what to invest in, what not, where to put money, where not, where, you know, what things to back, what not, what's important for people and what isn't. And you just think, this is madness. It feels so disconnected. Like, I think so many people, I, I was reading a, a feature the other day, and I think they said three out of ten people want it to go back to how it was before. The other seven, yeah. they want a green recovery. They want, you know, a, a more climate positive um, economy. We, we want change for that's you know a fairer and more equal society i think we have this once in a generation chance to really change things at a systematic level um yeah. from a climate perspective from a from a rights and issues perspective equality and it feels like the people in charge are just sticking their fingers in their ears and going just get it back to how it was as quickly as possible you know we're not yeah, yeah, yeah. to like oh what could we do how could we make it better it's literally like sticking a bit of sellotape over it and going just fix it yeah, it's it's fascinating because I mean, there's, I was um, obviously watching the whole the whole school stuff. Obviously, being a parent, and mm. uh, but also just you know, I'm mean, I'm always quite uncomfortable with with how how the whole how the whole system works anyway. But uh, but there's something it's sort of like as a friend of mine said a couple of months ago, actually, just for about a month or I don't know, a couple of months into lockdown, was saying basically like you know, if you really want to like um, force an economic redesign. The, the the thing that will do it is if everyone refuses to send their kids back to school because they're like that's the only thing that will stop yeah. <laughs> like the thing that's stopping the economy from being cranked up again 
is the fact that um, you know the 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 sort of schools full of children are basically you know they they're, they're almost in many ways you could argue they're the sort of the reason that allows everyone to go and yeah. well, get back to work hidden, right it's this hidden lever that we never even thought was possible and yeah you know a year ago if you'd kind of gone oh kids aren't going to school for the foreseeable and planes aren't going to fly you would have gone that's never ever going yeah. to happen I mean, <laughs> the idea of losing like one school day a year ago would have been an absolute panic yeah. about Saturday. yeah well school school strikes right a bit yeah. you just, i mean the place is up uproar because like I mean, the children were striking one day a month and they were going to lose their education and the you know the whole future was going yeah. to crash and burn because they've been on a climate strike they haven't been to school for four months and it doesn't look like they're going back to school anytime soon and suddenly that's okay i think yeah. people are very confused and i think people want I think we want to have a say. I think, you know, we want... Well, that's it. We want to I think have that's a say it. our future. Suddenly the future is for grabs. That's, it. that's exactly it. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? It seems it seems to me to be like madness that... Well, even like if you think... So I was listening to a thing, um, some web thing last week, and Paul Hawkins was on it, who's a bit, bit, bit of a... For me, has been someone I've you know, has been an amazing inspiration mm. over the years, and sort of thinking and writing. And he just was saying that you know he was in California, and he was just saying, you know, I, I feel that we as a as a human species are in deep trauma at the moment. So there's deep trauma that's being experienced around the world, and you know, if you have, and and I think that's the thing, right? You have this kind of consensus story that we have in our media of like, this is how the country feels, right? Or this is how we, this is what we want. But actually, as we know, you know, ultimately when you drill down into everyone's lives, the the people are experiencing things so differently, right? Everyone's got their own complexities and experiences and, you know, you know, have had different challenges through this process that will in, you know, will be pulling, will be traumatic in many ways. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And, and what do you, what do you do after a, a period of trauma? You would, if it was a, you know, if you were sort of, if it was seen as a, you know, you'd had some kind of incident or whatever, or some accident, or whatever, and you were having kind of traumatic, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, for example, right? You would have some therapy. You would be encouraged to open up, to talk, to share what you've been experiencing, to to try and unpack it all. Do you know what I mean? Before yeah. you rushed back to the way things were, and yet we're ignoring all of that we're not even there's no from the sort of from the sort of at the you know at the, at the center at the power there's no no even there's no even kind of there's not even a a, a line which says <laughs> we really understand how how many people must have been really struggling through this process yeah. do you know what i mean or you yeah. must be feeling really confused it's just like I it's think, like it didn't happen <laughs> no and i think that's what's so frustrating so i actually had ptsd a few years ago and it it totally right. changed my life it changed the whole direction of my life and huh. I couldn't have done that. I couldn't have moved in a new direction without therapy. Um, And it just, it it does feel like we've gone through this kind of like awful thing, but also it's not even being acknowledged. And I think there's this kind of, you know, oh, it's all fine. And you're all kind of making it up if you're making a fuss. And it's kind of, you feel abandoned. Um, Right. Not that I'm massively like the government's going to sort everything out for us, but as well, like there's just, all the whole way along, what's really struck me is the lack of empathy. And mm. um, I'm someone that's, I, I, you know, empathy is, is the thing that I value over over a lot of things. And I think there's just been no sense of we're in it together, or this is hard for some people, or let's all be a bit kinder. I mean, we've we've sort of been kind to our neighbours, but then in the last mm. 
couple of months we've been very good at finger pointing and you know dobbing people in if they've been outside for longer mm. you know I think this from from a from a political from a from a leadership point of view there's there's been a shocking mm. lack of care and empathy um, mm. this idea that we're a, it's almost like running the com- running the country like a company you know just like get back to work yeah 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 right because you could imagine actually if you if you intentionally um created you know invested in capturing people's learnings right and experiences so for me again what why you know you build 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 what are you building why not build some infrastructure that helps like people unpack the trauma right like that you know build some build some support systems for people that that's it's this this sort of very one-dimensional view of what what it is that's needed well, it goes back into this, like, I know we've talked about this before, like this unregulated growth for growth's sake, but you don't even really know why you're doing it or what it's for. It's just at all costs. And it's like, we know there's going to be huge job holes in certain industries, but there's no, you know, we could do something really clever. We could we could reskill entire industries. We could, we could mm. create incredible new green jobs and move people over and help them on that journey. And instead, it's very much like, it's you know it's almost sort of your fault if you've been made redundant um yeah it's just and it's, a and lack it's, of it, planning or vision <laughs> yeah right and i think that the the, the the thing the the thing is is is, is the thing is actually again it's not it's not about having the answers it's actually just by creating the spaces for people to mm. be able to talk about this stuff to share what's been going on to have be given the the opportunity to to participate in decision making right <laughs> like what do we care about what do we want to keep what do yeah. we want to let go of you know and i think that's the thing it's this sense that nothing else is possible apart from this way of doing things and um i think but that's I, what i find so frustrating i think yeah. people have also got they've got a little bit of like um it's like they've seen behind the curtain you know we were suddenly in the situation where structures that we couldn't even have thought we could question have kind of crumbled you know flights are pretty much grounded schools are shut we're in a situation where that no one could have ever imagined and it's like we've got an opportunity to question these things right and, and really imagine what they could be and reset them and instead yeah, yeah. we yeah we're just like eyes down don't look up carry on um i mean i've been i've been doing a lot of sort of reading and, and getting really interested in citizens assemblies recently and i yeah. think that's that could be such a beautiful way of, of making people feel involved and Absolutely. coming up with really imaginative ways of, of fixing like local communities because we're going to have to make those local community links stronger, you know, if if we're to withstand other pandemics or, or climate, you know, climate emergencies sort of yeah. related, um, issues. And and I think, you know, how, to, how do we invest in those local communities? How do we know what communities want unless we talk to people? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's 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 um. I think this is the this is the stuff I'm struggling with the most because you see so much possibility in in just um, having a a different approach to how you come out of this. You know, much more based on listening, much more based on participation, much more based on <laughs> you know bottom up. Do you know what I mean? Allow places to 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 really kind of um, um, be become involved in in a kind of different form of decision making and so and we know there's you know we know again it's like this stuff is not it's not nuts you know we've been building these processes for years it's like it's all possible yeah. <laughs> it's not like uh, this isn't pipe dreams but it's almost like something in kind of central government either either refuses to accept that there is another way or again it's just, is this just is this just the power dynamics of how 
of how yeah. this stuff works. It's, 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 it's very much like sticking their fingers in their ears and like humming a really bad tune until it goes away, you know. Um, mm. But I think, you know, so taking it back to you asked me earlier, like um, what I'd seen change in the mm. lockdown. Yes. So we, we have this, this big Facebook group and it's got a lot bigger in the lockdown um, and it's where people, Pebble readers come and share their tips and their advice and, and ask questions on how to find sustainable things or just share what they've been doing. And the thing that's really, really struck me is how so I was going to swear them, how amazingly incredible they all are. Like yeah. way more than doing than I'm doing and like growing their own vegetables and making stuff and upcycling stuff and helping in their local communities and volunteering. And you just think there is such a wealth of goodwill and skills and, you know, people who want to help each other and people who want to form communities. And we've got this wealth of like, sort of, you know, survival skills and traditional skills that need to be shared and passed on. And, that that's all just there waiting to be tapped and we're not using it you know i know yeah. okay, wasn't it over a million people volunteered for the nhs like voluntary scheme you know, people are desperate to get involved in something that's positive and gives back and f- gives them that sense of feeling useful yeah and it's such an untapped resource yeah it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see um over the next couple of months i think does this does this you know does this awakened um uh population um does it really step you know keep holding this keep stepping into this space or or, or you know because it's almost like you need sort of resistance right you need to be you need to be willing at an individual level to sort of resist um yeah. <laughs> some of this yeah. some of this return because i guess back to that you know what you chat about at the start about the individual agency but it kind of needs it's almost like you know because i think when when people do, when people say enough and, um, you know, they, they, I mean, look at the Marcus Rashford and the school, yeah. the school, the school uh, lunches, right. Or the. Yeah. Well, I think this, this idea of almost like civil disobedience of refusing to go back to, you know, the corporate commute and, and everything else is, is really interesting because I, I don't think I'm alone in, in feeling like the last few weeks have really stepped up. So yeah. it's almost, I'm almost sort of back working to capacity, but obviously we're still at home. We're still fragmented. You're still trying to juggle a million other things. And my my partner works for a big bank, and they've got a lot busier. My business partner is is tearing his hair out with with work because we're in this really odd space. You know, we're still kind of like we've been dumped on a different shore by the pandemic, but we're kind of still expected yeah. to work in our yes. capacities. And I think there's quite a lot of um, not resistance. You know we don't want to go back to this this crazy well, yeah. we didn't have time anymore yeah i mean this this is it and i think um so last night there was um uh this group uh from the ad sector the purposes are up as they've been working on this great reset mm. um just sort of you know into this more into the sort of ad world but to um you know again to, to, to very much say look you know um about having agency again about saying like you know you've seen you've experienced something different um you, you we understand the negative impacts of our work more and more we've seen that and we also understand the the influence that we can have with our work to to bring on something mm-hmm. better more beautiful but actually it's going to come down to like you know holding the line <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like and I, th- and, I th- and I do think that's what's so interesting like you know what is coming now because I think that's it isn't it is you can feel the pull you can feel yeah. it coming and I think unfortunately we've actually got a really small window to make yeah. to hold the line to make it difference because before long especially once the kids do go back I think 
you know, it's almost like you're going to blink and wake up one day and you'll be back where you were in 2019. Yeah, you're like, did that happen? Yeah, and I think there's this real rush from the government and from, and from you know, big structures to get us back there before we even have a chance to question any further, which all sounds yeah. a bit Matrix, uh, to be honest, as I'm saying it out loud. But... Well, what, well, what doesn't these days? <laughs> um, I, I do, I think we always, we always need to agree that we're not going to, do anything more for a month or something the whole country sets down and has a yeah we take all of us just to kind of go okay what do we want what are we going to do about it let's not make any knee-jerk reactions and and just pause um yeah but i don't think that's going to happen yeah i mean it's yeah it but it it it, it is yeah it's it is super fascinating because i say it's like you kind of sense, right, okay, so the central powers are, you know, are certainly not making any signals that anything um, significant is going to change. No le- no significant learning has been, has become new embodied knowledge from, uh, <laughs> from our leaders. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's, so it's kind of like, yeah, so, so what, what are people prepared to hold on to um, and let go of? Um, and I, yeah, I'm really fascinated by that as well. I'm really fascinated to how, and again, if you, you know, if you read around and look around and you sense, and you, your sense is that there are people, you know, there are huge amounts of people around this country and around the world who are, who are sort of feeling like they just so don't want to let go of some of these new learnings, you know, and, and, no, and like it's, been, yeah. it's not all been brilliant. And, you know, there's also a lot of stress of and strains and stuff working at home. But I think this, yeah, this glimpse that it doesn't have to be a certain way is really yeah, powerful. And, and I think if you, you know, and you just have to, and I guess the other thing is dialing it back up to the, you know, the mega issues that are still coming faster. You know, it's 38 degrees in the Arctic today. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we're, we're behind everything in terms of the climate science and <clears throat> pandemics may well become a regular thing. And it's like, you know, it's not like, it's not like we're sort of trying to sort of just step back into this, you know, this world of yeah, perfection. Isn't it? It, it feels very much like if someone's going to flick a switch and then it will be nine o'clock on a Monday morning sometime in the 90s, maybe. Um, right. so we're full of positivity. We don't really understand climate change and the climate emergency. And it will just it will be like a bad dream. And I think yeah. this, you know, unfortunately, we are all a bit over subscribed to all of the danger and pandemics and climate emergency and everything and i think it's going to it's that fight for people's time and their attention and their you know their their input is 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 a tough one because i you know i like you i'm looking at the news the sort of the environmental news and just kind of going this isn't even cutting through anymore because people are so so caught up with the pandemic quite rightly you know it's it's obviously something that we've never experienced before um, but what chance have we got of getting the planet back on track when we're all so distracted? So we got we got Peb, we got we got Pebble two point zero. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, because obviously it feels like you, you know you are you know you, you know I know you're 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 very much you 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 know your work and you're someone who does join the dots on. So to tell me about now and Pebble two point zero and there's a couple of things we were talking before, weren't we about? Even just even just some of the things about being being a kind of um, you know being a media platform and being a brand or you know all these things we're starting to sort of you know maybe notice more in this in this new context that we're that we're living in. So tell us a bit behind the the change and the direction and, and what's, well, um, what's it all about. I think after three and a half years, we wanted to 
be more open about how we're joining the dots. So we sit at the heart of a network of about 3,000 ethical businesses that we help behind the scenes and we connect people and we introduce them at events and we have our, you know, our traders at events might meet new consumers, but they also might meet other traders. They do collaborations and it, it's very organically, even though I sort of hate that phrase, um, become a community. It's become a family. You know, we, we talk about Pebble as a family, all the people that work with us. We've all kind of grown together over the last three or four years and we wanted, I wanted to, that to be a lot more open. I wanted that to be a lot more obvious about what we're doing because I totally mm. believe in collaboration and, you know, working together with all of these different social enterprises and brands and, and sort of entrepreneurs and really make the case that actually this is a better way forward. You know, that really expecting your brands or your service provider or your publisher or whatever, you know, whatever you're using to, to share those values with you. And these are the values that we sort of stand by and we've, we've put a whole new sort of area on the site for, for to show what we're doing as a sustainable business and the values that we believe in. Um, but also kind of really being more, much more about how we're, the values that we're taking aboard and what we're giving back as well. So we're now um, launched a sort of pebble forest. Um, so we're working with Treedom to create a pebble forest in Kenya, planting fruit trees um, in an area where they have sort of more of an impact as a carbon sink and giving farmers a, a revenue source. Um, uh-huh. The idea is that for every you know, 100 subscribers, we'll plant trees. And then every 100th subscriber, if you're that lucky 100th, you'll get gifted the tree. You can name it. You can look after it. They, it, nice. it, it all on the app growing and everything. Um, and we start we kicked that forest off with with 50 trees this week so we're kind of you know small to start but that's you're planting plant. you're planting that's the yeah. most important thing and i think always this, be planting always be planting <laughs> there's everything we do now we're like yeah we can plant a tree from that we can do yeah, yeah. Um, so we we hope to sort of really make an impact and i think as a digital business as well it's really lovely to be able to see a physical impact from the stuff that we're doing um yeah you know, i love the fact we're a digital business i love the fact that we don't make stuff because we don't I don't need to add my well I'd be rubbish at making stuff but you know we don't need to make any more things and 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 sort of content and communication is 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 so much more important to me but it feels nice to have a sort of I can point to a positive impact on the planet that that we are having um and that's a part of the relaunch just this idea that you know we very much live our values and we've talked about it a lot on podcasts and personally on emails and, and and our events that we only work with brands that share our values we we support and and help rise up those those other brands that we work with we you know we're all about connection but really that hadn't come through on the website before and I think like any business you know you grow over time and you add bits on as you're growing and then it's only when you take a step back and you're like oh I've added bits on in this really weird way and it doesn't really make sense anymore um so we completely stripped out everything the whole thing is actually a whole new website we've we've ditched it and started again um yeah. we've we've spent a long long time working through every single like reader journey how people interact on mobile what what they want to look at how they navigate what sort of you know time they spend on the site so we've tried to make everything as accessible and and easy to use as possible and it just feels a lot more coherent i think as a whole um we've got stuff on there that obviously talks about our events and our communities so if you interact with pebble in a different way you can understand what else we do um because we were kind of getting people coming to us and going oh I follow you on Instagram but I didn't know you do events or I follow your newsletter but I didn't know you were actually a magazine and I think it's you know for me it's been a a challenge as a as a publisher and I've always been a publisher and an editor to now run a brand that is so much more than just a publishing site you know we Mm. this idea of of being a family and community and events and it's it's much more of a you know a wider platform and I think that goes into sort of 
you know, reacting about you know, traditional media is, is, is changing, traditional advertising is changing. And for us being this kind of space where people can discover us through events or through social or through our content or through our newsletter and get the same experience, that's really important. And tell me about, because I guess that's the thing, like you, you're, you're working with, um, you know, you're working with new behaviours and therefore you're working with kind of new startups and new enterprises that are trying to figure stuff out completely differently, designing businesses in a very different way. And you must be, you, you know, you come across so many interesting <laughs> businesses and projects and, and, and I'm guessing some of them have, you've, you've journeyed along the way as well and they and I'm guessing some of them are, are you know are growing through your through your community and um definitely is we've, it, had, I, we've yeah. had brands become friends we've had brands where we've shared staff we've you know my my business partner also runs a creative agency so he's ended up designing brand identities and launching websites for new startups that have come yeah. pebble um and started talking to us so there's this real yeah again it, it feels like a community and, and, and a, something that we're, we're all working towards a bigger goal and what are the areas that you're like, are there, what are the things that you're, that you've seen, like, you know, really, really develop over these last couple of years? What are the sort of, what are the businesses and enterprises that Sorry, sort of really, you know, it's drilling. what's that? that um, <laughs> like you got like, someone locked up. <laughs> oh, I live in a block of flats and there's this drilling going on. Um, right. Do you know what's really weird, actually? When you see a trend come through, suddenly you'll see like 25 businesses all have the same idea. And I don't know how, I think it's this really... I'm always interested in how ideas spread and, and how people have the same idea at the kind of same time. But it's you definitely get these like waves of of new businesses. So like last year or sort of eighteen months ago, it was all around you know removing the plastic bottles out of our toiletries and having solid shampoos yeah. and that's zero waste of skincare. The last year has been very much around eco cleaning and this idea of refilling and reusing and sending out sachets direct to home mm. instead. Of buying your your cleaning products in the supermarket and then actually we're seeing a lot of and this is surprising actually in the current market but i'm seeing a lot of rental companies come through right working with perhaps like kids toys where you get like a bunch of kids toys that you keep for three months and you send back and they keep moving around so you're not buying new all the time like Hmm. renting buggies and sharing you know kids musical instruments and all this kind of stuff so i think this circular that's it, that's it, that, yeah that's super interesting because i mean that whole back through even though there's a challenge right now there's a challenge to hygiene the virus, people want, yeah. want to share but i think that's really interesting it is because that's such a shift isn't it i mean i remember like you know my kids and like when they were you know born and like it's just the amount of shit that you end up <laughs> like feeling like that you're you know that you're you're expected to invest in um you know and, and um yeah you times that by god knows how many billion and you're like yeah yeah it's, it's like that for everything right isn't it it's incredible and i think also you know it it was a status thing you know if you had a yeah. posh buggy or if you had a designer something or other and you know people wanted to own stuff and i think that is it's a slow moving trend but one that is coming through is this idea of not you know your your worth your status not being attached to the things that you buy or the labels that you you own and that is a huge shift from like the, mm, well that's massive yeah you know designer handbags and the latest trainers and obviously there are there's still a huge area where that still exists but i think this this kind of the sharing economy could be really really exciting yeah and are you seeing like um i mean obviously who who is the sort of who is the core sort of pebble 
audience right now? And are you seeing shifts? Are you seeing new people coming in? And are there any kind of interesting signals that you're seeing out there about sort of, you know, either age groups or or, or people that you're sort of, you know, exciting you that maybe are, are moving into this space? Yeah, so I think on the website, on the on the magazine, it's between sort of 25 and 45. There are kind of key market and yeah. a mix of parents and, and, and not parents. Um, but yeah. the events that we did actually we had a much younger audience, so like I'd say eighteen to about thirty-five. And I think actually what's changed in the lockdown is we're getting younger people um, reading the magazine, coming through online, being in the in the groups, um, and also more men, which is hmm. really heartening because actually the sustainable space is one that isn't terribly men heavy, which yeah, right, is quite weird. Um, and I think that's, you know, we're definitely getting more more um, men subscribers to the newsletter and, and to the Facebook group. So that actually feels quite, quite heartening. Yeah. And what do you think is driving that? I, again, I, th- I wonder whether it's just stopping, stopping and looking around, hmm. not rushing um, and, and just yeah, taking exactly, yeah. to think. I think you're right. Actually, just, you just, as you're saying that, just reminded me of that. <clears throat> I did a couple of sort of... Um, a couple of sort of focus group type things over the lockdown via Zoom um, on a project I was working on. And there was a bunch of, we did one session, sort of bunch of 20, yeah, 20, young 20 somethings actually. And um, I just remember, just remember this, we were talking at the start, like what, you know, it was all about, we were saying, what, what will we notice during the lockdown, you know? And, and this guy's just like, I've just realized just how much shit I spend, um, I, how much shit I buy, <laughs> like uh, not during the lockdown, you know? how much money I spent on total nonsense yeah. that I've now realised is just total nonsense. Well, you know I, what I mean? Um, I was doing my personal, it's very exciting, I was doing my personal tax accounts last weekend. Um, yeah. This is this is my life in the lockdown. And I was going through my bank statements for the last year. Oh my God, the amount of money I was spending in Pret, Tesco, yeah. anything at a railway station, boots. Yeah. Even, even though I wasn't buying like, water or i was trying to take my own snacks and all that kind of stuff but even like we ref- going into a prep with a refill you know the reusable cup for coffee and yeah you just kind of go oh my god how much money do you just just slips through your fingers without even yeah. when you're out and about well, it's, it's just sort of designed it's all yeah. designed it's into just being well. everywhere it's just just everywhere you look yeah. it's just like I was like this you know just sort of walking out the front door you, it cost you about 10 quid just before you yeah. even sort of step through it is insane, isn't it? Like how much this sort of disposable consumerist lifestyle, the whole, the, the infrastructure for it is yeah. everywhere. And I think um, this goes back to this, what I've realised is a key thing. Like this con- convenience isn't convenient. It's not convenient for the planet. It's not really convenient for us. It's just, we've kind of fed it as like, mm. you, know, you need your coffee on the way to work in the morning and you need your treat in the afternoon and you need to go to Oliver Bonus and buy a treat for yourself and you know it's <laughs> it's it's really weird and I think that's the lockdown has kind of broken that messaging a little bit yeah yeah no it's 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 it's, it's super interesting isn't it it's we, we were sort of like high, high on lots of caffeine and sugar and uh <laughs> running around the place and not really sure what we're doing sort of and these you know and these sort of like uh, uh you know sort of um you know contact you know just pain we just almost have to yeah. sort of like just hold your hand up and money gets extracted somehow from you and it's just you know rush of being busy and being busy for busy space, yeah being important yeah. and 
you know, our yeah. self-worth is almost now moved from stuff into like, well, I'm I'm this busy, therefore I'm this important, and I'm you know. Yeah, that's really interesting. This that, that whole I was reading something out like this this week about the you know yeah the physical meeting thing and how much how much of that has been driven by that sense of you know proving self-worth being somewhere that you know you can if you don't show up you can't be taken seriously you know what I mean and all yeah. sort of like um and all these things these kind of things which we've sort of un- unlearned a bit and uh, the, and you're right they're all yeah the lockdown's given us a chance to actually like revel in the stuff that perhaps wasn't seen as quite so cool you know yes. the, the baking and the mending and the actually just wanting to read a book and yeah you know this yeah thing. i heard someone say that it's actually i heard someone exactly say that so actually was, I've, I've realized actually it's quite cool being at home yeah <laughs> I really, you know, the teenage me is really enjoying you know yeah. um yeah <laughs> so yeah so listen you, you've just you've just pulled you've just pulled your facebook advertising right yes yeah. is that right so tell me yeah so tell me about that because this is this is all very live at the moment and tell me the tell me just explain a little bit to any listeners who aren't aware of this campaign and, so, and, and what's um, driving it for you. I, th- I don't know who started it, but I know people like Ray in Patagonia and North Face were pretty yeah. early on. Um, so the idea is stop hate for profit. It's it's a campaign to actually withdraw advertising from Facebook and Instagram for the month of July, but also to carry on further than that if you want to. Um, really yeah. retaliation for their lack of um, work progress change around hate speech around donald trump around um you know white nationalism around yeah. you know all the issues that, that so many people are, are on board with in, in the opposite way yeah. um and really kind of going okay if it's not going to change then why are we spending money with them and for me i was really torn about this because i want you know it's a brilliant thing um there's amazing brands that that have stuck it they've already sort of said you know, pull all the advertising. And as a tiny brand, you're kind of like, well, what's the difference if I do it? It's, it's you know, Facebook's actually where we get the most engagement on, on social media for our readers. It's it's a useful tool. It's, for big, it's a big deal for you. It's yeah. a big deal. As a publisher, it's 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 a really, I mean, I was going to say it's a love-hate relationship. It's not. It's really a hate-hate relationship. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you the, the, you have the necessary evil, um, Facebook, as, as a publisher. But we don't spend an awful lot of of we don't spend a huge amount and actually most of our traffic comes through Google and organic sources. So it's not going to damage us hugely, but it felt important to make a stand because I read a feature a couple of days ago saying Facebook aren't even that bothered by the big guys pulling their money because there are so many like billions and billions of, of individual entrepreneurs and SMEs and startups that spend small amounts regularly. And that's actually their biggest income. So that kind of put it in perspective to me. I was like, okay, well, Obviously, it's not going to make any difference me individually doing this, but more people need to do it, and it make it it doesn't fit with our ethos. You know, we are a very, you know, weirdly for a publisher, we have very very strong ethics, and we live our lives how we how we talk about things on on the site, and it doesn't work for us to then fund a platform um, that doesn't match those values. And I think this is something that I think hopefully is going to become more prevalent and and a bigger piece of the the conversation. You know, we expect our brands to behave in a certain way and we expect them to share our values and we expect them to be, you know, better for the planet. We need to to do that on publishers. We need to do that on media platforms, on our social media platforms, but also our mainstream publishers. Um, And we need, you know, we need to support that, Uh, whether that's Pebble, whether that's a podcast, whether that's a, you know, a whole, you know, social media platform. 
but yeah, we we have this power to kind of pick and choose where our money goes. And my revenue is really, really hard earned. I don't actually want to give it to Facebook. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was that was the push that I needed. And I think it's it's it, it's so interesting because I think you know you're absolutely absolutely hitting it on the head because this is the thing. It's like it's in some ways it's it's the the there's these more tangible things that we can see in our lives. You know, this this is the the plastic I refuse the you know the fashion label that it's got a dodgy supply chain so I'm not going to buy you know or there's these sort of more seemingly a bit more obvious shifts that we can make but the whole media thing is fascinating I saw a piece I can't remember was it George Monbiot did a piece recently I think he's yeah, done this he's talked about this quite a lot mean, um... but he talks a lot about actually who do you you know it's it's not the fossil fuel industry that we need to be really trying to bring down here at the moment it's it's the media industry um yeah, and it's something difficult like the... to, to be a part of the media industry and be, have been a part of it for nearly two decades and, and agree yeah. <laughs> with all of that. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. That's partly you know, why I was so so full of fire to set up Pebble because I thought this is, you know, most journalists are in, are in the industry to help and to care and to talk about stories they care about and to promote, you know, to help with topics. They're not in it to name and shame people and doorstep people and, you know, spread fake news. We need a reset in the media industry as much as anything else. We need to promote positive stories. We need to promote positive platforms. We need to promote platforms that are collaborative and community focused rather than, you know, only in it for their shareholders um, as much as we expect that from brands. And I think there's a, you know, this this stuff, this media work and this brand work, um, it is so key. And it also, I think, I think people... Um, genuinely need help here as well because I don't think people really understand um, how this stuff works. <laughs> Most people, you know, and and so you know this idea. I can't remember. I saw a great thing yesterday that sort of you know was it was sort of speaking to this. You know, it was speaking to the um, the stop hate for profit thing on Facebook, and I can't remember what the example was, but it was something like you know, it's like it's like you know if you if you you know it's like putting a billboard up. Um, you know, it's, it's surrounded by kind of, you know, white supremacists or something. You know what I mean? It's because you can't, because you can't see it. Like your, yeah. your, your piece of advertising, your, your product, you might think you're doing great things, but the fact that it's, you know, it's, you know, it's being surfaced into environments all over the internet yeah. that are promoting some pretty dodgy shit, you know? Um, and I think that's the, the thing that I think, you know, we're sort of people, folks are, you know we don't really understand how how it works no. and therefore do you know what I mean and, and I think well, there's so much good intention still with kind of media and but it's the media and and, and even media is is a term that's totally changed you know we were talking earlier about how how you know things have got a lot more complex and different and you know, media doesn't mean anymore just the main five or six newspapers or if right are there even five or six newspapers anymore four or five newspapers and the BBC. It means so much more than that. It means all the YouTube bloggers. It means all the Instagram right. guys. It means anyone with a blog. You know, yeah, all with an audience. Podcast. The media landscape yeah. is is so fragmented and diverse and weird and muddled up than it was when I started out. You know, it's a, it's a completely different beast. And I think yeah. half the time the people in it don't understand it. So yes. What what are readers gonna? going to do all or, or brands as well you know brands that want to sort of reach think they're reaching a, a, a lovely audience might not realize they're actually putting their marketing spend to into a company that's that you know ultimately against everything they stand for yeah yeah no it's 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 uh and there's some 
you know, there's some great stuff like the, you know, the conscious advertising network yeah, and who are really digging, yeah, really digging into all of this and, uh, and, and, and lots of brilliant stuff going on out there. But I think it, you know, it's great you're doing. It. And I think, you know, to, to talk about it as well. And, and, and cause I think, you know, it's, we're all, as I say, like, I think for me personally, I look at, uh, look at a lot of these challenges we face, but obviously the more we, the more we're able to learn our way into this stuff, yeah. the more we're able to understand, you know, then it it's just helps people realize that actually they do, you know, come back to where we started again. You know, we do have individual power. We are yeah. able to shift things if we can yeah. start to figure stuff out and we're able to sort of understand our, our impacts and, and what we support with the money we have. Cause that's ultimately what this is about, isn't it? It's like, Definitely. And I think that for me as, as, as a, you know, as an editor years ago, I became very uncomfortable with the kind of stuff that the magazines I was working for were, were flogging and the, the, knowing the power that we had. And I, to me, that's what's driven my work with Pebble. It's understanding that that the power of marketing, the power of branding, the, the power that consumers have and don't realise. And it's actually trying to funnel that into a different direction and give mm. consumers more power and, and sort of guide brands a bit better as well. But I think that to me, that is the missing bit of the puzzle. You know, we, we talk about how we've got all these dry policies on one hand and we've got these huge targets and we we want to get to net zero and we want to achieve all the sustainable development goals and all this kind of stuff. And we need to take ordinary people on that journey with us and we need to do it in a, in a language they understand, in a, in a format they understand and, and not tell them what they can't do. Um, mm. So for me, magazines and media is a hugely important bit of this it's it's the it's the reaching people on you know on 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 a platform in a way they they get and, and don't feel too mm. by and so connected to that tell me a little bit about um so i know one thing that you've been you know very intentionally sort of um investing energy and time and you know stuff around is this is the zero waste culture and the yeah. zero waste networks that you that you've sort of you're, you're working with in the uk but I know there's a lot, I know, well, personally, I always feel that zero waste is, again, it's sort of folks that maybe have a sort of certain view of what it, what it is or, and maybe less view of what it could be. I'd, I'd love to just, could you just talk a little bit about where you think that's heading and, and what's, what's interesting, exciting about it for you? Yeah, I think, um, well, first of all, I think the term zero waste is a bit of a misnomer. We use it, but yeah. we really mean zero waste. We just mean low or less, less waste. So less plastic, more refills being more conscious about what you buy reusing all of those things basically that's what we're saying when we say zero waste and i think it's just become a handy uh phrase but actually what what the area that's really interesting for me is the kind of zero waste shops that have sprung up you know all over the country and and when we started doing a list of them a few years ago there was 13 and i think now there's there's two or three hundred a they've got a really interesting business model because they can't cannibalize each other's business no matter how many of them really there are because it's such mm. a local um thing you know you're not going to walk more than half a mile with your glass jars to to another zero waste shop um but also it's, it helps investing in community it helps investing in these local supply chains it helps investing in local producers which we're all going to need if if we go through another pandemic or climate emergency um but i think it's also showing people a different way of consuming that is still yeah. fun and it's still interactive and it's still engaging and stuff. It's just taking out the packaging and taking out the kind of, um, you know, global supply chains that don't have a face. And, and you know, again, you're just putting money into a, a global pot for shareholders. So zero waste allows you to meet the people behind the food that you're eating or growing or buying. Yeah. 
it's it's such a more positive way of of being a consumer um, without having to like not be a consumer, if you like. Um, so I yeah, think and it's, it is absolutely fascinating what's happened with it, and actually how many people are embracing it of all ages um, and will go out of their way to go to a zero waste shop. And it's this idea of sort of that rejecting convenience again, because it's, it's actually not, not good for us. It's interesting, isn't it about this? Because what I find fascinating is like you're saying that this whole idea that, you know, these, these stores can support a hyper-local community because of their, the nature of what they're trying to do. And there's something also interesting around that, around that connection, actually, Mm. like this, you know, sort of, you know, we're sort of seeking that connection to, again, I guess we're back to that story of relationship, right? It's sort of to be in relationship with a place or a a shop or a store or a community of people that sort of feels like that's really coming through now. And, and how, how do we, yeah, what, what might, you know, what's your thoughts on how this, this whole space is going to evolve? I I think it's more important. Uh, I think people have, you know, another realisation in the lockdown is that, again, these relationships can exist with local stores and it's lovely. It feels really good to go and buy something from someone where you know their name and they know your dog's name and they see you every week or they know what you like. And again, it it goes back to a slower pace of life and rejecting something that's just, you know, easy and and cheap and, and convenient in by doing so, you actually end up help being a community, and you feel valued, and you feel you feel part of something. And I think, you know, when we are all locked, you know, obviously the lockdown's kind of ended, but we aren't chasing all over the country like we were, or we're not flying all over the world like we were. So, this is the time to invest in our local communities, and this is a brilliant way to do it. It feels very inclusive. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. you, you might not want to go and join a community group, or you might feel too scared to go and get involved in a council meeting or something but like a zero waste shop it's such an equalizer you know we all know mm. how to shop we all need stuff um it's it's a really good sort of icebreaker of, of meeting people and getting to know who else is in your community and what what you can help with yeah i love it i love it that's um more of that more of that in amongst the madness um so thinking ahead so what's obviously you know we're we're in the- <laughs> We're in the age of uncertainty. In the age of uncertainty, but what's what's on the what's what's planning? What's cooking for for Pebble now with the with the new launch? And um, what 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 can you uh, share about the I'd like to coming months? Going on holiday, but um, I'm not obviously. Um, <laughs> you can pop out to the beach. Yeah, pop out to the beach. Yeah, but, um... Um, I was I was trying to toy with a four week work a four day week as well over the summer, and I don't think that's going to happen either. Um, for us, it's about really cementing this relaunch in, about talking to people much more broadly and engaging people on our sort of positive media messaging on our... For me, it's actually this this summer's about sticking my head over the parapet and actually being a lot mm-hmm. more vocal about what we believe and what we're working towards and what we're doing. I When I set up Pebble, it was very much I wanted the focus not to be on me. I wanted it to be on the magazine. I wanted it to be on the platform because I didn't want it to be about my journey you know, I felt very strongly it wasn't a blog, it wasn't things that I'm doing. It was about sharing other people's stories. And I think after, you know, after three and a half, four years, actually, we've now got enough of our own story um, yeah. to really share that. So it's it was kind of flipping it on its head, really, and becoming, me personally, becoming a lot more vocal about about the stuff that we believe in and that we're, we're starting to do. And also sort of Pebble itself, you know, shouting a lot more about cohesively what we're doing. Um, and then we have actually, again, these things tend to happen at Pebble. We have a conversation, suddenly we're doing it. Um, we had a Pebble Fest event booked in for the beginning of November for when COP26 was going to be on. 
yeah. we decided a few weeks ago to change that into a virtual weekend event. Um, so probably the 7th, 8th of November, um, full of workshops, mendelongs, cookalongs, um, talks, and then a virtual market, which is the kind of three pillars of all of our events, a sort of market workshops and talks, um, but really based around this idea of it being the future. So being, you know, instead of just having another panel of what are we going to do about fast fashion, you will talk about for 45 minutes and hand ring and go away, you know, n- not really any more inspired. Actually, yeah. look more depressed. Yeah, <laughs> I've sat on the same panel for like, I've had the yeah. same conversation for like 25 times in the last few years, and it just doesn't ever change. So we didn't want to just put another event on that that went over and over the same problems. So the, the whole theme and focus of it is Future Fest. It's what does our society actually look like if we achieve carbon neutrality? What do we look like yeah. as a zero carbon society? You know, what inventions have got us there? What does our daily work look like? What does our routine look like? What are we doing? What brand Amazing. with us? You know, in, in my head, I, I want it to explore what the Jetsons, you know, look like in the yeah. 60s when they were talking about the future. Because I think there's, again, with with positive storytelling and the other missing bit is imagination. You know, we need to imagine mm. what it's going to look like if we achieve the goals that we need to achieve, because otherwise how on earth are we going to make that happen? If we don't, yeah. we know what we're not for, but often we don't know what it is. What does it look like that the world yeah. is fighting for? So that's really, and the beauty, I guess that sounds really exciting. I guess the beauty is right, is that we know that so much of it is 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 alive and happening you know the ideas are all out there right yeah. it's just people, most of us can't see them or or experience them or, or it's like you know, but actually those those brands together those ideas together of people who yeah. are often working at the fringes or working with small sort of consumer sets or you know you can yeah. it's one of the privileges of my job is i can see a lot of this stuff bubbling up and you yeah you're kind of willing it on um so we really want to sort of pull those ideas together and, and have something positive and exciting to look forward to because i don't it. know about you but it. We'll, we'll be there i'll be there <laughs> <laughs> i have zero in my diary until christmas so we might as well do it <laughs> exactly well that's very that's exciting well i i guess the best way to folks is to is to like subscribe to the newsletter right and yeah that's, that's that the best way for people to get in touch with what you're doing so the newsletter is all of our new content every friday um it's packed with positive news but it's also where we flag up things that are happening first um so that's really the the main one or come to the website or follow us on any of the social channels i mean we're on all of the social channels so you'll find mm. us, um as pebble magazine but yeah the, the newsletter is where you kind of get most engagement and, and stay most involved amazing so listen um we could we could we could yatter on for <laughs> for hours um but, <laughs> exactly but um th- first of all thank you for the for taking the time for this it's been super interesting and i love i love where you're going with uh with pebble and uh, you know when i when i hear you saying things like you know you 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 can kind of see like you're excited by what you say and i can so connect with that because you know, that's, that's sort of, I think, the thing that keeps me sane in amongst the insanity is that you can see what's possible, what's happening, yeah. what's out there. And you're like, whoa, this is just, you know, this can just be, it can be so beyond what we what we imagine is possible. But we can't imagine it because we can't see it. You know what I mean? And exactly. we're, I think we're so used to, as a culture being sort of banged over their head and told to get into line. And that this is, you know, this is as good as it gets and stop moaning. 
um, that folks, I think, believe we've sort of reached the pinnacle of human possibility. Which is sad, um, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't exactly. want it to be the, the pinnacle. And I'm not very good at accepting what I'm told and authority and all that. Oh, no. So I, I want to challenge that and I want... I want it to be beautiful and desirable and inspiring and, you know, not not scare people about the future. Just just give them enough hints to be like, oh, my God, there is a we can support different businesses. We can we can use our money to do other things. Um, and that. that yeah, I think that, that, yeah. Way, that that does, you know, the the biggest, I think, misnomer is the fact that you don't you don't matter and you do. Yeah. Amazing. So listen, um, Georgia, thank you. First of all, thank you so much for this. And then I always, you know, get to the end of this conversation. And obviously, you know, you know, the Spatial Earth podcast inspired by many fantastic thinkers and, and writers who've, who've been sort of, you know, exploring the concept of, of our planet as a, as a spaceship. And um, I'm always, um, I guess, interested in this idea of, of uh, shifting to this kind of crew mentality that we're sort of uh, moving away from sort of being passengers on this spaceship to, um, getting stuck in with the non-human world who, who are flying the thing most of the time. And, uh, and so I just, yeah, this idea of becoming crew, I just wondered what that might, what that means to you at the moment. Yeah, I was thinking about this. And I think the thing that comes through the most clearly for me is it's about being a team. It's mm. about all working together um, for a bigger goal. Um, if you're crew, you're part of a, you know, you're one cog in a, in a much bigger thing, but you're all working together um, for the same outcome. So for me, it's, yeah, that, that sense of, being team being part of being part of a team and being on the same team i think is nice important. yeah i love that and that's um that certainly feels like uh yeah it's 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 definitely a way forward isn't it it's like stepping into something <laughs> bigger than ourselves right now there's plenty of people with you there's plenty of people who yeah. want that same yeah. that same step forward um yeah but thank you for listening to me ramble i hope it makes sense. no it's, it's lovely i love i love i love ramblers that's what this podcast <laughs> is all about it's just about interesting people doing interesting things inspiring things and and having a and having a good old uh, a good old conversation about it all so thank you so much and, very well um, thank you for the opportunity um yeah i hope you um I hope uh, Super Saturday <laughs> sort of comes and is it called Super? I don't even know what it's called, yeah. but whatever it is, um, I hope uh, I hope you survive. And um... <laughs> yeah, it'll be fine. I've, I've got I've got gin. I'm going to stay home. Yeah, I've got gin. I've got barricades. Yeah. Uh, I've got extra locks. We'll be fine. It's fine. Um, exactly. I've got an internet connection. Um, <laughs> but listen, yeah, lovely to speak, and we'll be in, we'll be in touch soon. Yeah, that sounds brilliant. Thank you so much, Dan. All right, take care. All right, see you later. Bye-bye. Bye. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Georgina Wilson-Powell from uh, Pebble magazine. Um, they are doing amazing work covering like like such a big range of issues, topics, ideas, new businesses, networks, communities, new sort of shifts in behavior, like super deep, uh, so worth um, subscribing to their newsletter, check out what they're up to, and support. So yeah. So anyway, um, that's the end of this episode. If you enjoyed that, please do share with others. Uh, give us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever you listen to on. Um, it will take you sixty seconds, and it will mean a lot, and it will help others find it, and that just helps the show. Um. So, yeah, if you want to drop me a line, it's dan at thespaceship.earth or you can follow us on uh, Instagram at thespaceship.earth. 
A few uh, changes and adaptations coming to the Spaceship Earth podcast. I'm just moving into a bit of a reflection period and thinking about the next phase of uh, the podcast journey. It's been epic, um, but I'm trying to get a little bit of uh, help, a little bit of a crew. Uh, I took a bit of time off over this over August, really, just because I was knackered um, and and now starting to pick back up and and uh, figure out what the uh, the next evolution looks like. But um, stay tuned. Lots of exciting things coming down the line. Okay, I'm going to uh, leave you with a track to play this one out tonight. Uh, tonight? <laughs> Maybe it's today. Maybe it's the morning. Maybe it's the afternoon. I've no idea when you're listening to this. But right now, for me, it's tonight because I'm sitting in my studio and it's getting dark outside. So tonight, I'm going to leave you with this track. It's a track by Dee Montero featuring uh, Meliha. I think I said that right. It's called In the Wild. Uh, this was released uh, a while back, possibly last year, maybe even the year before on Anjuna Deeps, a lovely label. And I find in times like this, you know, in times of massive uncertainty, sort of um, never ending kind of uh, global car crashes occurring every time you sort of pop your head above the parapet to have a look at the news. Um, I find that uh, I find great comfort in uh, in music and dancing and um, and uh, yeah, music and dancing, particularly sort of sort of deep sort of cosmic sort of um, house music that gets me particularly excited. And I, I sort of feel like, you know, this 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 new world, the more beautiful world would involve a lot more dancing. I think there would be probably speakers around a lot more in the streets. We'd be encouraged to kind of dance more often. Um, you know, I think that would be good. I think that's what we need to be doing more. We need to be dancing. Dancing a lot more, letting all this stuff out of our heads, uh, letting it go, uh, connecting with this kind of extraordinary life that we that we have, that, that's happening right now. Through the medium of dance, more dance is definitely needed. So on that note, I'm going to leave you with that. Take good care, folks. Um, thanks for listening. It means a lot. Um, look after yourselves. And uh, until next time, peace and out. <laughs>